Hola, everybody. Welcome to Real City Ambassadors podcast. Here at this podcast, in these live streams, what we're going to do, we're going to dive into the stories of the known, unknown, and rising legends who shape and elevate the Bay Area cultures. So in this conversation that we're going to have in these platforms, we're going to be uh, having these conversations with people in the music industry, in the nonprofit world, in the tech industry, artists, people in the political spheres, educated, educators, you name it, they're all going to be in this platform. My first guest, our first episode is a person, a buddy of mine, uh, who I met in 2007 in UC San Diego. And just a preface to who he is, um, I remember going to San Diego. He's a year older than I am. Uh, didn't even know the campus. And I uh, heard someone say, have you met this person? And I said, no, why? Well, how do you not know him? You're from the Bay, right? And I said, yeah, I'm from the Bay Area. What's up? He's like, well, he's all Bay. If you look at him, if you talk to him, if you're around him, he's a lot of the Bay of what you, you know, represent. So I was like, man, I got to meet this person. And then I did. We, we uh, crossed, crossed paths. I don't know. Maybe we can talk about it. And uh, his name is Charlie L. Morales. He is now a uh, equity-minded counselor, a San Francisco native, uh, raised in mainly San Francisco and then other parts as well similar to my background. And one thing I, I really admire is that a lot of roads lead to Charlie, you know, roads that are from the Latino community, from the African-American community, the Pacific Islander community, um, uh, Asian community. A lot of folks reference and know Charlie. And, you know, I've known him for a while too. So it's really my privilege to bring him on and have him introduce himself. Charlie. Rodrigo, my brother, como estas? <laughs> bien, bien. How you doing? I'm alive and well. Just blessed to be here. That's what's up. And so introduce yourself because people, some people know you. Uh, folks that are going to be outside of our, our immediate circles may not. Quien eres? Who's Charlie? So my, my people, mi gente, welcome to this podcast called The Real City Ambassadors, hosted by Rodrigo uh, Duran, one of my good friends. My name is Charlie El Morales also known as Charlie Hustle or The Hustle. Um, got that nickname since I was really young. Born and raised in San Francisco, General Hospital, 1988. Uh, for oh. those of you that were born there. And uh, also currently uh, I'm a counselor at Laney College uh, and Skyline College. I just finished up at um, San Jose City College. So shout out to all those colleges doing amazing work. Um, I'm a, I'm a son of two immigrant Salvadoran parents. Mm -hmm. My parents came here in 1980, August of 1980 from El Salvador. And so they had five children with them at that time. And now they had 13 children. So I'm one of 13. Wow. I'm actually the number 10. So anybody that's the 10th child in their family, <laughs> shout out to y'all. <laughs> I don't think we find a lot of 10th childs in, in the United States or less in the yeah. Bay. So you got a huge family, man. Yeah, and, and, and so, I met I met maybe half of them only. <laughs> yeah, I think you met a good amount, and uh -huh. so my family is so huge. Uh, it's only grew since since uh, since coming to San Francisco. Uh, my family's been all over um, San Francisco, and so um, being the tenth child out of my family. Oh, thank you for pulling up the map. Yeah, so let's let's show people real quick, kind of um, 
when we talk about San Francisco, um, where you've been, um, maybe we can bring this out. So tell us. So in 1980, my fa my family came here and we started in the Mission District. So we right here. We were about on uh, Macoppin Street, um, 14th, uh -huh. about 14th of Valencia. That's more the main cross street. And mm -hmm. so uh, we started there and I was actually born in the little, they started off homeless and they found a one, like one bedroom apartment at that time. And then mm. from there, my family uh, was uh, fortunate enough to, my dad was fortunate enough to find work. And so we moved from the Mission District to, uh, to the where? Brick Homes and uh, the Brick Homes in Visitation Valley. Okay, right so hold, hold on. Right. So y'all moved from here, yep. moved south, all the way to the very tip of the, I guess you can call the border between Daly City and San Francisco. Yep, we moved there. To, we and there's this there. little, little Hollywood. All right, man, let me interject. Real. What's this little Hollywood, man? Like, do you even know why they call it little Hollywood? Uh, not really there's sure. Nothing very Hollywood about. <laughs> yeah, not really sure. No. But that's where that's where the city dumps are at. Is actually. No so, way. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah. true. I know, I know. That's funny yeah. that they call it Little Hollywood. But anyways, going back. So Viz so Valley. We, so we moved there in about uh, the 90s when they still had the Geneva Towers. Uh, mm. Yeah, near the projects. But we lived in the brick homes from there. And from there, we moved to Bayview, Hunters Point, third okay. by Third Street. And so, so right here, so Third Street's probably where, where the end, the cutoff point between Terrace and Bayview, right? This yep. might be Third Yep, uh -huh. we, live, we live right there on the cusp, right where the old Foods Co. was at. The, um, yeah, Cali it's, Cali it's still there. Oh, the now Cali it's Foods Co. Used, used to be Cali Foods. Uh -huh, and yeah. be right before they... Uh, right Cali Foods. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that one in a minute. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. right, before, right before they built the police station there. So, uh, And then from there, my family uh, was fortunate enough to buy a house in uh, 97, 98. Mm -hmm. uh, right on the border, on top of the hill, Daly City. So literally mm -hmm. across the street. So, right. Uh, so Crocker Amazon's right here, Outer Mission. So it's probably somewhere here, right? Where it's, it's by Crocker Amazon. So uh -huh. a little okay. down right there. And so okay. and so we live literally on the border, across the street, San Francisco. And so mm -hmm. we've been. My family's owned the house there since '97. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of where I kind of moved around growing up. And then, but I also lived in Portola, lived in Lakeview, Patrell Hill. Um, no way. If, if you grew up in San Francisco and you were fortunate and left enough to live in one neighborhood and one house, you were blessed. But mm. our family was huge and big. When you have 15, a family of 15, it, it's yeah. hard to find a living situation that can accommodate everybody. And because due to the dot-com boom and hyper-gentrification, right. living skyrocketed and it was very difficult to find housing. Yeah, you know, we all moved around. I not only moved around within San Francisco, but I also moved around the Bay. You know, I also lived yeah. in Oakland. You know, disclaimer: I've also lived part of my life in Oakland, so I got I got love for Oakland as well. Um, and you know, yeah. we move around, and and that's and that's why when I in my in my mission statement I say Bay Area cultures plural, because even though when we speak about the Bay Area to people outside or people from outside want to speak about the Bay Area, they lump us in a culture, which is great, but you know, we know. You know, we know what it's like in the haystack. We know how it's like in Vallejo, in Oakland, in San Francisco, the city, right? And how each one has its own cultures. And then within that, there are subcultures. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I wanted to make this platform, this podcast. But let's talk about the city. So when, when we talk about cities that you represent, do you represent one for the most part or are there a few? Um, since I mainly grew up in San Francisco and Frisco, uh, I represent the city to the fullest, the 415. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, so represent because that's where my family uh, started over here. But our roots go to El Salvador. 
So yeah. not only do I represent El Salvador, I represent for all the Latinos as well. I claro. represent for the Mission District and particularly, but really the whole city. But I also lived five years uh, in San Diego, at UC San Diego, where we met. And mm -hmm. so, I, and I spent two years in LA. So really, I, I always will represent, always know where I came from, San Francisco. But yeah. I represent California as a state because right, we're, right. we're the golden state. And for me, with the Golden yes. State, so we got to represent. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my logo is also. <laughs> Full gold. Um, well, tell us about, so the San Francisco it is. Uh, in three words, how would you uh, describe for you? Because I want to remind people, like, these are, these are journeys that I'm taking with real city ambassadors to see through their eyes and their memories what those cities are, were like and are like now. So through your lenses, what are three words that describe San Francisco? So the first word I would describe the city, my lens, is warriors. We are warriors. Mm -hmm. And by, by warriors, I mean uh, we, we always come up, we show up, and we, we, uh, um, we acknowledge our indigenous roots and mm -hmm. uh, the land we stay in. So, for example, we try to always acknowledge that we are on Alone territory, and this is their native land. Facts. And not Facts. only that, when people come, when people try to invade and take uh, over our where we grew up and as sf natives you got to remember that we are on the brink of extinction we are endangered uh, species because we've been economically pushed out of mm -hmm. san francisco over fifteen thousand families have been pushed out since the dot-com boom and so it's really 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 difficult to live still live here it's yeah. very rare it, it's funny that you mentioned that because same here. You're like, I, we went to UC San Diego. I moved to San Diego. I lived a year abroad in Brazil. Um, and then I came back, got into the workforce, and I didn't realize what a, you know, like that we were unicorns in this land that we grew up, you know, and most of us were born in, that they're like, no way you're from San Francisco. Like, tell me what's your favorite blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, all right, I'll have this conversation <laughs> with you. It's cool, but... But then I started to realize, yeah, there are very few of us that are still in the city. Uh, you know, the few, the proud, what have you. So I, I want to just echo what you just said because, uh, yeah. you know, I already have that script ready, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah. You know, when people do the whole like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said this. I was like, all right, I got the script. What do you want to know? <laughs> you, you from the city, city? You for real, for real from the city? I know, I know, I know. But yeah. let's go back again. So you said warriors. What's the second and third Warrior. one? So if you could refer back to the San Francisco flag or the seal of San Francisco, oh, there's a slogan. One? Yes, that one. <laughs> but there's a slogan. It's called, it says, Oro en Paz, uh, Fiero en Guerra. That means okay. gold, golden peace, reference to we were the golden city because of the gold rush was discovered mm -hmm. and went through San Francisco to, to get those riches. Right. Uh, Fiero en Guerra means iron force in war. That means if you mess with us, we are an iron force. We will, we will come at you relentlessly, and, uh -huh. and that and that's what I mean by us being a warrior. And the symbol of of is the phoenix because right. in 1906 we suffered a, a great. Uh, um, it was a big earthquake that that um, it caused the great fire. The city. Yes, but it caused the, the earthquake. But two thir um, two thirds of the city burned down. Yeah, uh, uh, the aftermath of that fire. And exactly, so we, that, we that's were, really what impacted the city. And so, and, mm -hmm. and I just want to throw a quick. So, if you look at my uh, the logo for Real City Ambassadors, 
that's the reason why I chose the Phoenix inside the flag. It's small, you know, and, and it's okay. I it wasn't meant for everyone to know what it is or see what's inside, but just for me, you know, as a way to put like a stamp on the city that I'm from, I looked at also the seal there and saw, you know what, we're like the Phoenix, you know, we're always rising. We get, you know, we get pulled down and, and, and we go through so many changes because San Francisco is first of all, really small. It's a small seven by seven mile radius city. And there's always, there's, it's constantly changing, you know, some for the better, some for the worse, but whatever gets thrown at us, that's negatively, we flip it, you know, we rise up. Ooh. So anyway, so that's the second one. And let me show you, uh, you know what I found on Facebook on your profile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this was your graduation from? This is my, this is when I graduated from U USC in 2019. Okay. And so this was my graduation photo. I did uh, my boy Jay Short 707 from Vallejo. Uh, okay. He did this photo shoot for me. He was my main, I used to live with that guy and we used to live in San Diego together. So uh, of course I represent the flag because not many people know, even know we even have a flag. And I know. so I, I even went to my old elementary school at uh, Carver Elementary in the Bayview and I, I took my flag in there and kids thought I was a superhero and my uh, cape and my, and my graduation cap because <laughs> uh -huh. it's uh -huh. important. It was really important for me to always go back to where my roots were so that I can pay it forward and give back. And um, so tell me what's the third word that describes, or did you already go through that one? Uh, defiant. Okay. The reason why I would say defiant is because when people cross the line and try to take advantage of our people, our native people, we show up. We yeah. show up in solidarity. And that's why it's S. That's why people have the S. I don't know if y'all can see it. That's the uh -huh. wrong, wrong way. The <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And so we're, we, we are defiant in the sense that uh, we dictate, we are the leaders in many respects to, uh, to revolutionize the the industry and the rest of the world, people follow our footsteps. That's yeah. why we have. That's why we have the um. You could you know the hippie movement, the love movement in the sixties, right, right. right? The gold rush. Uh, you can look at the gay rights movement. You know, exactly. I believe this. Exactly. Like, I do believe we have sixteen percent of the city is uh, LGBTQ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. and so there's a variety of different ways that we show up and we um. You know, we're we're really innovators and and the game changers. Mm -hmm. A lot, a of, lot of the 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 mentality. You know, when I look back and speak with, let me just keep it very simple, fellow Latinos, right? And when mm -hmm. I was studying in San Diego and I met Latinos from all over California, you know, there's a mindset to people that are from the Bay. Um, and I was always wondering, like, where does it come from? Where does this ability to kind of just, uh, you know mold ourselves to adapt to any kind of environment where does that come from and honestly it comes back comes down to our, our upbringing and our education you know uh, i can't i can't speak for uh public school systems being you know phenomenal but you know a lot of the teach i will say though i will give credits to a lot of my teachers uh for really shaping who i am as a person uh shaping my, some of my values and 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 so I wanna I wanna take some time and also talk about what schools you came from and how maybe those schools and teachers shaped who you are today. So let tell us like your trajectory from elementary school all the way to high school. Where where were we? Oh man! So when you had thirteen kids and you keep moving around, uh, mm. we go we're, we hit the whole spectrum. And so uh, for myself personally, I went started off at uh, Carver Elementary in the Bayview. Uh, mm -hmm. I moved to Charles Drew, 
uh, mm-hmm. which was up the sh- up the street in the Bayview as well. And then my, when my family bought a house in uh, top of the hill, uh, we I ended up switching to um, George Washington. Um, it's a elementary school right there by the top of the hill. Mm-hmm. And then I also went to Palisita in mm-hmm. uh, Daly City. And then from there, switched back to, I went to start off at Leadership High School, okay. which, which later on, I ended up going back to teach as a substitute teacher, which launched yeah. my education career. And then I uh, transferred to Jefferson High School. So in 2006, class of 2006, mm. represent. <laughs> let, me, let me go back then. Um, so I, I pulled this photo from uh online about uh your school carver elementary and you said it, it's located in on Petrero hill no it's in the bayview in the bayview yep. and i really like this okay. quote and, and 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 when i looked at it it resonated with uh, a lot of the work that you're doing now uh, education is the key to unlock the golden door of freedom and in the background you know it's got a what is this the periodic table and this George the George periodic Washington table. Okay. Yeah, George Washington Carver, which was, yep. And I, you know, I, I know that we're barely finding out who he is. Unfortunately, you know, like I had all these folks uh, that represented each um, school that I went to, but didn't know who they were until afterwards. I mean, we were just reading about him. Can you tell us a little bit what we just read about yeah, well, Senor knew, Carver? What I remember was that he was an inventor, but also what I found out recently, like looking through the website, he was in. uh, he was one of the first um, uh, black. He started off as a slave and ended up uh, using education as a key forward to um, escape poverty. And also, um, he was the first uh, scientist, agriculture uh, scientist at uh, Tuskegee, uh, the Tuskegee uh, Institute. And so um, he he contributed in many ways in the in the in the field of science. That's why you see the periodic table right there. Mm-hmm. And um, I, in my own philosophies, I do believe education is the best sound um, uh, method toward uh, not not just escaping poverty because we don't want to just escape poverty. We want to end poverty, especially mm-hmm. for the most disadvantaged uh, uh, folks and historically underrepresented mm-hmm. and uh, under-resourced uh, communities such as the Bayview, where the black population has died down to, I believe, 3% of right. San Francisco. Yeah, I, and I think and and names hold a lot of power. Visuals hold a lot of power, and you see this. This is a work of art, you know. Someone who's probably yeah. a master graffiti artist, painter, you know, put this beautiful uh, mural together. And even that, in of itself, speaks volumes, right? You see an image, and you're like, well, who is that person? You know, it's so important to see the people that look like us reflected on the walls, reflected on history books. And right now, there's a controversy of like, well, what should be in like what should be the names of certain elementary middle high schools in san francisco why should we change them and and i'll tell you a quick story it it didn't really didn't hit home until i got older and and didn't realize just kind of the importance of it but i went to school uh, elementary school in chinatown you know so i went went to chinatown mission then sunset you know all over the place as well but at the time uh the school was called commodore stockton for i don't know i would say years 30 years at least, it might have been called that. And right into my fourth, to the fourth grade, the name was changed to Gordon J. Lau. And I just, the only, I don't remember much, but I remember our teachers trying to explain to us why are they changing the name? Because just, you just get used to it, right? And you associate yourself with that name. Oh no, I go to Commerce Stockton. Everyone in the city knows about it. 
Um, and then they told her, look, you know, that this person was in the military, Commodore Stockton was in the military, you know, a lot of uh, his actions weren't very positive. And, you know, they try to summarize it to us and said, we're changing to Gordon J. Lau because he is representative of Chinatown. He's a San Francisco native. He was an educator and he promoted peace and, and, and you know, an education. And then, you know, I said, OK, let me go play. It's Reese's time. But, you know, as I got older, <laughs> then I realized the impact, the importance of changing names and having names that are representative of the people that go to these places. So I just want to kind of interject real quickly and, and talk about that. I think I think it's really, really important as warriors, as scholars, as people that know how to use their heart and be defiant to understand the histories. If it's the history is rooted in racism and hate and that has caused damage, particularly to that um, um, community, it's important to to flip that and to advocate. And so that's why you see uh, victories like that happening right now. Uh, right yeah. now with the Black Lives Matter movement, you see uh, people uh, taking down these uh, racist statues of, of people just um, and so you'll see just like the NFL, they just they just finally had the pressure to change the the um the Chiefs logo because um the red Pins, the red <laughs> Pins, they, right? they didn't come up with a name at all. Yeah. They're just calling it the Washington football team. Come on, that's a little it's a little yeah. on the lame side. You know, can you imagine I can imagine so many people of color, especially like you know, uh our native brothers and sisters, they came up with a bunch of names that they could use that were positive and they just said, nope, we're just gonna stick to <laughs> bland yeah, Washington football team. But it is a step forward, obviously. I yeah, prefer that true. than but anyway, that's just a side note. That's un poco de chisme, it's a little gossip. Yeah. But you know, we can get to that too, because you know, this is a free platform. Um, we're just uh getting to know you, but we also want to talk about just what's around us at the moment. Um, UCSD. So I want to know how, how you ended up all the way in San Diego, because I ended up in San Diego uh, just because I had never gone to the, I had never gone to campus, man. I, uh, I didn't know anyone in San Diego. Like, I mean, I went to Lowell High School, so a lot of the folks there, you know, I also didn't know it was such a big high school, so I didn't know a lot of the people that went to San Diego. But um, I, the pura, you know, in Spanish they say just the pura chiripada. So out of out of nowhere, I ended up picking San Diego, which was, you know, it's been the best choice, of course. But how did you end up at UC San Diego? Um, since I moved around different schools in K through twelve, I didn't really have like a per se mentor, and so mm -hmm. I had to like piece things together because I I was ambitious and wanted to achieve greater things. I just had drops of little hope here and there and so it's like really looking through a, a, a like a microscope like the little the little um the little mirror through the door uh-huh like, somebody was like go to college do good or it's like well i don't see any latino or anybody that looks like me excuse yeah. me do good and then yeah, yeah. one teacher took me to uc berkeley and started uh -huh. there on ninth grade and i was like what people pay you to go to class and give you money, you know, you get financial aid and stuff. I didn't get it. It was a foreign concept to me. Yeah, I was yeah, like, well, yeah. I was like, well, I'm going a, I'm to, a, if, if they can do it, I'm going to try to do it. Uh -huh. So my older, one of my older sisters went to UC uh, Berkeley. She's like three years ahead of me. Four, mm -hmm. No, probably like four years ahead of me. And so I was like, well, I'm a, if she could do it, then I could do it. And and I tried, but it wasn't as, you know, ideally want to get into UC Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And so like I struggled academically, but I, uh, one thing that I that I'm known for is being resourceful. That's why they call me the hustle. And so it's a mm. mentality. It's like, okay, I know where my shortcomings are. I know there's resources out there. I need to go find them. 
And yeah. I, one thing yeah. I know, one thing I learned from my sisters is never take no for an answer. So right. I don't care how many times you reject me. I'm gonna keep coming back until you, until I get in the door. I'm a pause. This is not the fizz. This is more of a pause, but it's still the fizz. <laughs> um, did you want to stay in San Francisco in the Bay? I wanted to go to UC Berkeley like my sister. Same. But when it came, when it came, yeah. uh, when it came to it, um, I was in my junior year, senior year. Like you know, I did well academically, about a 3.0 B student. Mm-hmm. But um, I started hanging out with the wrong people and starting to get into some trouble. Turns out I ended up getting on probation, uh, not academic probation. Uh, <laughs> my, my senior year, and I was yeah. able, I was still able to get into UC San Diego. I applied to all the UCs at that time. Uh, it was called uh, LULAC, some resource center that helped oh, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, LULAC, yeah. Um, and so um, some la- one of the ladies in particular, she helped me tremendously throughout the application process, and her name was Maria Martinez, and she is now the dean of students at Lincoln High School. So shout out get to out, Maria. Get and, out. Yeah. And so, and so um, I got a fee waiver, and I applied to the UCs, and then I didn't, I ended up, I was like, where's San Diego? And they're like, just click. I was like, okay. And it's not even in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's La Jolla, it, it, bro. It's like yeah. Marin. Yeah. So they showed me on on. I didn't even have Google Maps back then. They had a uh, MapQuest. Yeah, MapQuest. MapQuest. And so I had to like search it up. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. I'll find it. A yeah. few months later, a few months later, I got acceptance, and I looked at my financial aid package. I was like, well, this is they're gonna pay the most. And then yep. uh, I could have gotten to USF. I could have gone to a variety of different schools at that time. Uh, but um, I actually failed my AP calculus class. So they're like, here, you got accepted on provisional. And then mm. it's a provisional. So I was like, what the hell does that mean? Oh, uh-huh. And then they re- revoked my acceptance by the end of spring. They was like, oh, you failed AP calculus. Uh, and, you got, and you got below a 3.0. So you can't come here no more. So I was like, Damn. So, so, <laughs> so what so what did you do so uh my older sister uh she got it she got a hold of my ap calculus uh, uh professor mr berg mm-hmm. at jefferson high school and they let, he let, talked to him and he let me retake my final i retook my fine my uh-huh. my my friend at that time was the valedictorian of the school so she helped tutor me for okay. AP calculus. Oh, and she I, didn't give you the cheat sheet. Okay. No. Okay. No. no. So I, I had, <laughs> the little one. Oh, let yeah. me see. <laughs> I, had to, I had to retake. I had to retake that final, that uh-huh. goddamn final. I changed my grade, write a letter of appeal, and then send send it my, myself. And then the day before the last orientation at UC San Diego, there was uh-huh. like, hey, we we somebody called my, the house phone because I didn't have a phone at that time, uh, a cell phone. Right, you had a page. And, and this is 12th grade. And this is 12th grade. And they're like, uh-huh. you got readmitted to the university. Uh, can you come in tomorrow for orientation? And I said, thank. I was like, yes, I'll be there. Hung up the phone. I said, thank God. I was like, thank goodness to Jesus. And then uh, I was like, how the hell am I going to get down there? My brother, my older brother, I had to beg my brother to give me a ride down there. And so uh, the night that's before, Hold up. People don't. That's that's a 10-hour ride, by the way. Yeah, but I people ate, that ate, haven't gone all the way to San yeah. Diego. Never, never been to San Diego in my life. Never Same. been. Same. So I think so, I've, I've been had been to Tijuana. Yeah. My parents drove us to Tijuana, so we passed San Diego. <laughs> but I, I didn't know San Diego either. But anyway, so so go, go, go. I, I put all everything I own in the three garbage bags. By that time, my senior year, my mom kicked me out the house, and I was living with my other sister, and so I was helping take care of the kids, dropping them off to school. 
uh, and then just like taking care of them. And then I ended up getting in. I actually enrolled the classes at City College because I was, thought I would. I thought it was over for me, and so I was like, I, I didn't waste my opportunities. And then, wait, did you? Sorry, did you end up going to Summer Bridge? I or got you- into Summer Bridge, but because I got denied, they said ah. you can't come to Summer Bridge anymore. God, bro, yeah, you know the 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 power and the impact that Summer yeah. Bridge had on a lot of people of Absolutely. color. So if people don't know, just real quick, you know, Summer Bridge is a is a program pre for for mainly first generation college students of color coming into UC San Diego. So you take classes in the summer prior to going into your first semester, and and it's not only about preparing you uh, with you know skill sets in writing and mathematics. But they do a 360 approach, meaning they they teach you about the culture in San Diego, UC San Diego, and they teach you about the culture in college as a whole. They mentor you. They they assign a mentor so that's older than you who will help you navigate um, the college experience for a year. And they also, um, how do I say? They they also help you heal. Um, we have a cl- we had courses where we really learn about how to communicate. Uh, about communicate in terms of uh, our family, our friends, our personal, let's say, demons, what have you. Um, we learn how to, you know, respect each other. And more than anything, it just helps you to to mature. So when you show up to a place like UC San Diego, and, you know, this is what we're going to talk about. When you hit that culture shock, you ha- you're, you're filled with um, herramientas. You have these tools to back you up. You have already uh, a safety net. And that is what um, what uh, Summer Bridge was. So you couldn't get into Summer Bridge because of that. Yes, so, but I call, I talked uh-huh. to them and they said when you come, if you come back in, uh-huh. hit us up, come to us, and we'll provide you uh, additional support when you get here. Because I knew I needed nice, support. Nice. My Did sister, you do trio then? My sister, yes, my sister mm-hmm. warned me about culture shock. But I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we coming from the bay too. <laughs> yeah. And so and so I actually I started off at UC San Diego homeless. I was homeless for a week. My brother paid for the hotel for two days and then he bounced. And then uh one lady at Thurgood Marshall, uh wow. one of the so UCSD is divided into six different colleges, many colleges within the school. And mm-hmm. so uh I met one of the deans and they're like, they already knew I got reinstated. Nobody from the university knew and mm-hmm. but they told them and they're like had to look at I had to find somebody in somewhere in that campus is very confusing to navigate that space and mm-hmm. so they basically uh got somebody in a golf cart to go to the hotel and then drive drive my stuff to um to campus and i found Ooh. one person my friend katie uh-huh. at UC san diego one person that i knew i didn't uh-huh. have a phone i didn't have i didn't have class i didn't have anything i said those three garbage bags that i own uh, with all my life's belonging and my <laughs> three garbage bags, my, 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 I didn't have a luggage bag. I didn't have a luggage bag, dude. My, same here, man. <laughs> my friend Katie let me crash on her couch for a week until they found housing for me, and I lived on campus my first year. Wow. So I really started off with the odds against me. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if for those that don't know the the, the statistics, uh, the uh, for people of color, um, your first year is the most vulnerable time for them uh, for the mm-hmm. dropout. There's a big dropout rate specifically for uh, people of color. Uh, the first year is very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of fun. Uh, where did you find your niche? Uh, since you didn't do Summer Bridge, but you did get um, some resources and support, where did you really find your niche within UC San Diego? 
Um, I never, I don't, so I was kind of exploring. So the, the Oasis, where the mm-hmm. Summer Bridge office mm-hmm. is, yeah. is located, I went to them. So they gave me a specific counselor that I would check in like weekly, I believe. They mm-hmm. put me in the, in the um, OLCs, I believe they called it. And yeah. so yeah, I yeah. used that uh, to kind of find my, my way. And then uh, somebody that, some girl that I met on campus, uh, she, she was from San Francisco, uh, Maribel. She told me, hey, you should check out this organization and whatnot. I didn't really know anything about fraternities. And they introduced mm-hmm. me to a fraternity, a Latino-based fraternity, and it was called New Alpha Kappa. And this is they played a pivotal role. Right here. Yep. Is, is this the... They played a pivotal role in Ooh. really showing me, showing me love and showing me the ropes to navigate that space. And they disciplined me in the sense that they got me ready for the college uh, courses and in and, and terms of studying, tutoring, and really just uh, time management and just really handling my business. That's and interesting. So, and so, so I use a combination of different resources on campus. I was part of the Black Student Union. Mm-hmm. I was part of uh, the Mecha. I was mm-hmm. part of a variety of different other organizations. And I think that's how we crossed paths, like for the first sure. time. So what, what made UC San Diego unique from all the UCs is, and, and I'm very proud of saying this, that we had the cross-cultural center. Correct. Um, and, I, and again, just like I didn't realize how, how, how fortunate we were until we had these uh, statewide uh, people of color conferences. And then when it was hosted at UC San Diego, we said, oh, here's our cross-cultural center. And they're like, but you have the BSU and you have Mecha next to each other and you have the Filipino Community Center. But what's going on? I'm like, what do you mean what's going on? That's just how things run in, in UC San Diego. I'm like, oh, no way, because in our campuses, the Latinos are on that side of campus and they have their resource center over there, the African-American over there and so on and so forth. But we crossed paths, you know, because I also went to BSU uh, and Mecha and I think that might have been one of the first places where, where we just said, what's up, man? And, uh, yeah. and we touched base. But going back to Nat, um, because it sounds to me like the support system there was similar to what I had, but at Summer Bridge, you know? Absolutely. Obviously, it's got its, its, its differences. Um, let, let's just talk about it. People have a certain perspective of what a, a fraternity is and yeah. what they represent and who those people that are in sororities and, and fraternities are. But let me hear from your lens. Like, what is a fraternity for you and what was NAC like uh, uh, being part of it for the four or five years you were there? So uh, NAC is a Latino-based fraternity. Mm-hmm. And, and as a Latino-based fraternity, they operate different from a traditional fraternity. So what you see on TV or media does not, uh, does not capture uh, the character of New Alpha Kappa. And mm. so um, we embrace all cultures. And as a fraternity, the main pillars are, the pillars are um, as you see with the, uh, with the book, with the lamp of knowledge, it yeah. represents uh, wisdom. So okay. uh, wisdom and then also um, the pyramid with the, ba- with, the, with the sun in the background that represents yeah. the Latino culture. And, right. then, um, and then the braced arms, that's, uh-huh. our, that's our handshake. It represents brotherhood. And so, and so that's kind of uh, what represents our fraternity. And so we are a uh, West Coast based, for t- mostly in the West Coast. We're f- mm-hmm. over 4,000 brothers uh, combined. And so uh, we have been around since 1988. And so this, this fraternity is redefines what it means to be a Latino male in, in, in a fraternity. And so mm-hmm. we do, we're really big on community and we have a multicultural lens, even though we're Latino based. And so Tell me- go ahead. 
tell me more about your experience in San Diego because this is one very important aspect of your experience there. But uh, what else did you get yourself involved in? What else uh, were you part of in, in San Diego? Yeah. And what did you experience? So I would just learn how to navigate the first year. My second year, I actually dropped out of uh, college. I took a leave of absence because I was having difficulty uh, wow. staying uh, academically afloat. And at that time, I had a lot of anger to deal with because mm. uh, it was just a lot going on. I didn't really know how to develop or mature. I was maturing, I was trying to learn how to mature as a man. And, and pretty much uh, my fraternity kind of, there was some issues that happened and pretty much got uh, suspended from the fraternity. And so I was like, you know what? I just didn't want to stay there anymore. And I was like, I'll be back. I told my mm -hmm. counselor, I'll be back. And, and <laughs> you know, the amount of people that come back is like 1%. That really? Back. So I took a leave of absence and went to city colleges back home. Okay. CSF, so mm -hmm. I like help, help my family, help support. And then go, I took classes there and worked. And so at the end of that time, uh, when I went back home, um, my two of my brothers got shot. Somebody, they tried to rob them. And so uh, there's a lot of haters and there's a lot of people that are um, if, when there's not when there's lack of resources. If somebody feels like they have some more than enough, people are going to resort to uh, stealing and robbing from each other. And so that's mm -hmm. the issue that we have to deal with as a black and brown community. And so mm -hmm. uh, two, my brothers got shot. And then two weeks later, I got uh, in a motorcycle accident and I messed up my, le my leg. Uh, I needed to get surgery later down the line. I, I eventually did well at the community college and came back. Yeah. to UCSD. And so that's kind of where I met uh, one of my mentors, uh, Wayne Yang. Oh, and so he's the provost of Muir College now. And so he's, yeah, a that's where I went Muir College. Yeah. So he's an ethnic studies professor over there. And he's just, yeah, there you go. Let me shout that's him out. Let <laughs> <me hear. laughs> Wait, how did, when did you all take this picture? Uh, we took this uh, October 2019. Was it last year? Yeah. yeah. Tell, yeah. Well, before you talk about um, him, well, I mean, talk about your experience as a student under him. Who is Professor Yank? Because he's a pillar of not even UC San Diego, but he lived in the Bay for a while. Absolutely. He even ran his own school in Oakland. Yep. So yep. anyways, I'll let you because you know him better than I do. Uh, he's an educator. Uh, he graduated from Harvard. He went to uh, UC Berkeley as well, got his doctorate. Um, he taught for about uh, close to 20 years in Oakland. And um he uh, started at UC San Diego in 20, 2006, 2007, around the same time we started. Uh -huh. uh, and so at that time, he was flying once a week from Oakland to San Diego to teach. So mm -hmm. he started off at Ethnic Studies and he moved his way up. He was like the chair of Ethnic Studies and now he's the provost of a college. And mm -hmm. so he's the one that they really introduced me to Ethnic Studies and really just um, that time I was really angry and lost and just I had to, just the only emotions I really got out was anger because of all the stuff that was happening in my life. I didn't know how to make sense of it. And mm -hmm. so he really just like he's really calm guy. He's like the opposite, yeah. kind of like the opposite of me sometimes. And so he just yeah. like, you know. And so he was just there and then he kept supporting me and then just, you know, invited me to different events and really uh, introduced me to the, my advisor, uh, Yolanda Escamilla. She was a phenomenal uh, yeah. mentor and advisor for the ethnic studies. And so they really held, held me down to stay rooted and really just mm -hmm. mature. And so I, yeah. I only took one class with him and his uh, teaching um, approach was. I don't even know. You probably have a better word for it, but it was not only revolutionary, but it just felt like he really cared, right? 
Uh, and yeah. I remember the in that class, the final was to do a project. You know what's funny? The final project was to create our own podcast. <laughs> Bro, I remember go. now. Yeah, because I, I, we got paired in groups of three. And he, it, before, I think it was even called a podcast. He, he told each group to create like a, I don't even know what it was, like a radio pro, a, a program radio uh, on a subject, uh, an ethnic studies subject. And so we had to like, you know, just create a whole story on on, 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 on one of the topics. Anyway, side note, but I remember him because I took his class all the way in my senior year. I, I didn't take him prior to that. And I was always mad that I couldn't, it wouldn't align with my schedule. But I remember him fondly because uh, one of the students who was my buddy invited me to their final presentation. I was like, whoa, like, Anyone can go to the final presentation? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. come over. Where is it going to be? And he's like, it's going to be at the pub. <laughs> I was like, you mean like the, the pub where we all go and drink? He's like, yeah, that's exactly where we're having our final presentation at the pub. You can grab your drink. And, and the final was something around like, tell us about one thing that you do really well and explain like your craft. Some people, some, I, I remember a gentleman talked about how to dress properly, how to dress very nice, you know, what, what it means to wear a suit, what's every, what, 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 what's in, what does a suit entail? And he just broke it down. And that was his presentation. But anyways, so his, his way of teaching was very unorth unorthodox compared to a lot of UC San Diego, which was very rigid, right? Well, I think, I think what stood out about Wayne was, to me, was that he kept it real. And even though he has a soft and caring voice and more like, you know, he got the style. He got, he always wore the hat. That's why he influenced me to start rocking the hat. Get out. And, uh, yeah. Get he took me to Puerto Rico. Uh, what? In 2012, he invited me. I went out there and then we just explored and really just, he showed me and he's, he's been telling me you should work with, you should work with the youth. You should work with the youth for like mm. eight years, seven years. I told him, hell nah, I'm cool. Uh -huh. <laughs> I told him, nah, nah. I was like, hell nah, I don't want to be no educator because I thought I had to be a robot. I thought uh -huh. I had to teach a certain way, and I just, I hated school. I hated school. But mm. I knew that I could help students, and I kept it real, you know. Authenticity is a big core value of mine. And so I learned a lot of stuff from him. And so I took, uh, like, two, two of his classes, I believe. Yeah. And, and, and so gra after you graduated from UCSD, did you know, after taking Wang's classes, uh, Yang, sorry, I said Wang, Yang's classes, um, that you wanted to be a counselor? Hell no. I didn't want nothing to do with education. At that time, I was just like money hungry. I was like, I need to make some money. I need to do well. I need to do whatever it takes. You know, that was more right. the hustler mentality, you know, at, at that time. And so not later to down the line to, to really like really a lot of stuff happened <laughs> that, that made me switch into wanting to be a counselor. And so I at that uh, later down the line, I finished UCSD 2011. Uh, I left early. I said, I'm leaving early. I need to do two math classes to graduate, to officially graduate. It took me two years to you take two math classes. <laughs> to take two math classes. I tried uh, to do I tried, I went back to move back to San Francisco. I took it at City College. I couldn't pass it. Boom. I said, I'm done. So I even lived in Oakland for a year. And so I uh, took I took a class at Lenny College. And when I went to Lenny College, San Francisco, very diverse, very, very, very diverse. Mm -hmm. You could see all types of race, colors, mm -hmm. ethnic group, abilities, the whole thing. When I went to Oakland, I was like, damn, 
I never seen so many black people in in the college. Like this is yeah. this is cool because yep. I was like I was like where are they? You know you get what I'm saying? Yeah, and no, so, no, okay. that was also a problem at UCSD. Uh-huh. And one and UCSD one point two one point seven percent black people at that time, right? And yep, so yep, yep. and so when I went to Oakland, I was like, what? Lenny College, I was like, wow, this is cool. But when I walked into my math class, there was only two black people in there. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and, so, uh-huh. and so that 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 kind of like uh, you know popped an idea in my mind. I'm just like, what the hell? And so it took I took the math classes and I got support there, and then I ended up passing. So that's where I got my undergraduate degree. And then not till later on, I I even went to get my uh, I got a I got an AS degree in real estate, so I just renewed my real estate license through Merritt College. So I enjoyed my time. Yeah, so um, I enjoyed my time over there. And then later on, I was like, man, like it started clicking to me. I was like, maybe I am uh, destined to be more of a counselor. And then mm-hmm. I applied in 2013 to USC and UC San, and then San Diego State for counseling. I did not get in. I was not at the right time. I guess for whatever reason, it wasn't meant to be. Um, I didn't really understand the game at that time, and right. then I didn't get in. I didn't really ask people for help. And, now, and then not till 2016, 2017, uh, around that time, um, I was like, you know what? I think I'm ready, and I want to be a counselor. And, um, like, a lot of bad things had to happen, man, for me to get to really wake up and see what I wanted to do. And so my little nephew got killed in 2014 in right. the Mission District. Um, let's see. I had a, a business partner. I was in the cannabis industry for a while, and uh, my business partner burnt me, and I and then I tore my ACL playing basketball around 2016. I and remember so, that time. I remember yeah. that time. And so all of that had to happen. Just like, man, this is not the life I want to live. I need to uh, uh, rebuild, and I need to um, I need to start fresh and and really figure out what what's what's for me. And so I always tapped in with Wayne, and when I go to San Diego, like he he shows me love. Like I stayed in this house. Uh, plenty of times uh, he invited me to like, yeah, I've been to Puerto Rico with him. He invited me for a conference. And so he's always provided me a lot of wisdom. And then I was like, you know what? I should be a counselor because he came to San Francisco, went to karaoke one night uh, with my friend Patty and a few other people. And he's uh-huh. like, you should be a community co- community college counselor. They get paid well. They only pay four days out the week and blah, 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 blah. And so <laughs> I was like, I, was like so it's, I don't forget what he says, but the same, when I was young, I was like, nah. So a lot of our youngsters, they're hard-headed. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it is. As a Latino male, as someone who grew up hard-headed. And so we have to learn how to teach our youngsters how to be more open-minded so they can be receptive well, and learn. You know, and and this is this is this is probably a whole separate conversation. We can spend a whole hour on this, but mm-hmm. you know, I and we're gonna, you know, you can reference USC. Part of it is what you learn in theories and practices in your master's program at USC, but really the the big part of it is your life experience. When you say a lot of these uh, young, you know, young Latino people of color, they're hard headed. Like, what what approach do you take that's maybe different? to kind of make some sense because like you said it's hard it's hard to really knock in knock some sense sometimes so how do you what's what's that special sauce that you got charlie <laughs> so, so what i feel like uh, because i have firsthand experience and understanding what it is to have housing insecurity food insecurity mm-hmm. uh growing up in a big family uh b- being uh bilingual and then um in a mixed status family, I have all these experiences that I did not know was going to be of value to me in building rapport and, and empathizing with people. 
So being empathetic is one of the biggest ways that I know how to really uh, have students that I work with be student centered. I'm client centered. So I'm able to meet you wherever you're at. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not here to hate on you. I'm here to meet you at your level and to see where you're at. Mm. And so that's one of the theories is being student centered. Mm. And then by equity minded is pretty much equity in the education sense is getting what you need when you need it. Learn that mm-hmm. from Jeff Duncan Adrade. Hey, uh, and uh, when you go back, so USC, uh, what, um, what was some of the, the, one of the bigger takeaways from your courses? Uh, the biggest takeaway is yeah. that I, I got reinforcement to myself that I am uh, able and to compete at the highest level. Once mm-hmm. I understood that education, a lot of people don't understand, uh, don't understand the rules of the game or they don't really understand how to connect with people mm. and the education game, the education field, this, the game is flawed in so many ways. There's so many gaps and so many things that they're missing. And yeah. so the humanizing uh, approach, the empathetic approach, the student centered, the equity minded is, is, is where I add value to the game. You get what I'm saying? And people, if they don't. <laughs> and so, and so by doing this, it's like, look, we are critical thinkers. We have what it takes to compete at the highest level. At USC, those only 11% graduate, Latino graduate students, Latinx graduate students. Mm. When the city of LA is 49% uh, Latinos. So why does not this, the university, the city that is in reflect the population that is in? There's a big gap that needs to be addressed there. There's one yeah. point. There's 1.3 million uh, Latinx college students right now in colleges right now. But our gra- the Latino males, they do not graduate at the same rate. They lag in uh, degree attainment and retention and persistence. Mm-hmm. Or- what, you, you know, this, you know, USC is in L.A. Did you ever think about uh, staying in L.A. or in SoCal? Absolutely. So I did two years in, in the counseling program. And so I was thinking at the time when I was ready to get to graduate, I needed to stay a summer uh, extra. And so uh, I stayed that's for summer school. And then I was considering L.A. because that's where your network at. So any college that you go to, most likely that's mm-hmm. where your professional network is going to be at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I knew that I would go harder if I came home because these are the these are my neighbors kids mm-hmm. these are our community's kids and these are people that we grew up with and their kids and people i went to school with and yeah. so i was blessed enough with the opportunity to, i took the gamble i said like, i'm going to go back home because I, that's where i need to be yeah and so, yeah and where have you worked since you know where have you applied a lot of these skill sets that you gain through your usc program oh, uh, so the USC program told me taught me professionalism. It told me how to use theory and make it to practice. But in terms of practice, uh, what really gave me the competitive edge is is those hustling skills that I learned uh, from our people in our community, mm. from, from my older siblings, from being in, in, in out in the streets, and and uh, really from our culture and our people, our ancestors, our family. Those are the core values that will set you apart. But the the institution will uh will try to transition you into being more uh losing that authenticity and losing the cultural values by trying to act a certain way and so you need to get people is not going to connect with that <laughs> because That's that don't true. work that don't work in our head yeah nope. and so, nope. so i just try to keep transparency and authenticity is a big uh core value that 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 makes the difference um tell me about um where you want to go? Where where do you want to move around the next five, 10 years? 
know, so with your gift. To, I forgot to answer your question. So I worked at Laney College mm-hmm. uh, just this summer. Sent uh, I run a Latino empowerment program called the Hermanos Program through Skyline College, which mm. is a service 130 students around San Mateo County. We have partnerships with uh, Parkway Heights Middle School, uh, South City High School, and Cappuccino High School. We teach college level courses to students who are struggling academically and kind of we spark their engagement. To, for, to look at community college as their pathway to their uh, careers. Uh, San Jose City College, um, I worked as a general counselor and I was on the uh, Male Students of Color Task Force, which learns to look at the equity gaps to bridge, to close that gap so we could support and intentionally uh, graduate and, and persist and close that gap for mm. our students. Um, and then Right now, um, I'm I'm in the interview process, so I'm, I'm potentially being at College of San Mateo, uh, Bakersfield nice. Community College is is Whoa. in that in that realm. So it just depends where they need me, and yeah. I feel like I try to go not only where there's more popular, but more of where do they need the work to be done. I was yeah. never the I was never the person to go in and say, "Oh, I want all the fame, I want all the glory. Let me be in front of the scenes." Right. I was always the guy that nah, keep that keep that uh camera away from me i'd rather be behind the scenes but i'd rather be acknowledged for the work that i do in person i'm a heart-to-heart high-touch type of guy yeah no that's and so and so when we look at when we look at equity it's not only getting what you need it it, the uh, the flip side of equity is you need to give up some of your resources and some that you have to give to people that need it the most and in that sense we will all benefit from it and that's what we've been. That's ultimately what we've been doing. Mm. So this week, I, I'm the front and center of the spotlight. But next week, we're gonna. It's like a baseball team. Yep. Who's up? Whoever's up next. Okay, we're gonna rally behind them and support them and uplift them. For example, one of my former students, um, Ashley Monterosa from Leadership High School. Her brother just got killed from Vallejo PD in uh, on. Um, was it like two months ago? Right, right. We needed to show up and show out for her. They, yeah. The Monterosa family has been fighting for uh for for justice, and we need to hold the police accountable. And that's why you see uh, all of all of these uh, movements that are occurring right so, now. And so it's not about me; it's about we, right? It's, yeah. So that's the part of equity that I emphasize and 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 try to so, live out each day. You know, and and at the end of it, you know, when we talk about real city ambassadors podcast you know and creating a platform it is uh, with an equity equity lens in the sense that i want to give that platform to as many people as possible like i said the people that are known fine but the people that are unknown or those that are rising legends are the ones that i want to highlight specifically here because uh just one thing that i noticed i listen to podcasts and i have for the last two three years and there's some in San Francisco, but sometimes I don't see people like myself being represented or hearing their stories in these platforms. And less, and less are the number of hosts that are from San Francisco, right? That can yeah. really speak to the experience of living as a San Franciscan. And so part of the reason why I'm doing this, why we're doing this is, is to do that, you know, to, to highlight and bring a voice to the people so we can record history. You know, Absolutely. and speaking of history, I kind of want to end this uh, by walking down through memory lane a little bit with you. You know, I want to talk about certain spaces or areas in San Francisco that are near and dear to your heart. So just three things. And I'm going to probably ask the same three to every every person in the Bay. You know, what's your favorite restaurant? Uh, what's your favorite park? 
and your favorite street or streets in San Francisco. So, restaurante. Well, for over 20 years, our family's been going to La Santa Neca Pupusaria in Bernal Heights. Uh, about a couple of years ago, they actually shut down. And so um, this is off of Richland and Mission. Oh, uh, this one right here, right? Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every time we go there, like my family, even my dad, my dad passed away in 20, uh, 2012. And so it just reminds me of my dad and, and, and mm. he gets me in touch with, with, the, with my Salvadoran roots. And so I used to go to this restaurant all the time. And so it's no longer there, but they have- it's not. Uh, they have another restaurant that unfortunately, uh, another restaurant called the Flor de Zote that's there. So I still go there. Um, and mm. so it's not, not quite the same, but you know, it's still, it's the, still brings back some memories. The space is, is near and dear to your heart, right? And that's what's so important, especially for us San Franciscans. You know, pe yes, change is inevitable and change is necessary. Um, but sometimes change is done without our consent, right? And without taking people's memories and emotions into consideration because it's not tied with money. And in the city, you know, it's filled with millionaires, new money. And, and you know, that's fine if it benefits certain folks uh, that do positive things in our community. But one thing you've seen, especially with small businesses, uh, property owners want to flip the space and they want to yep. just squeeze as much money out of it without taking into account that this place, La Santaneca there, was a staple to so many families, you know, and now it's changed. It's fine. You know, it's not, it's not the same, like you said, but even the space already holds a, a, a place in a lot of people's minds. Okay. So the park, like what's a park that you used to frequent? Man, my, my sisters would always, uh, pretty much I was raised by my two other sisters. Uh, they're twins. They would mm -hmm. always take us to Ralph's park, uh, across, the Where? From, uh, across the street from La Raza park on Petrel okay, between 26th and 25th. Let me see. Okay. So that's where I learned how to uh, right here. Basketball. Yeah, that's where I learned how to. That's where I learned how to play tennis. Mm -hmm. uh, believe it or not, people play tennis. <laughs> that's, that's where I learned how to. Latino uh, people play tennis. Yeah. That's where I learned how to play ping pong. And so uh -huh. you know that rec center is is, is yeah. definitely um, uh, close to my heart. <laughs> and uh -huh. I always and bring I, back childhood memories. And we already talked about this. I know which street is one that you you oh, know yeah. hold dearly. Is, yeah, uh, well, the, well, Bombay Street, and then that leads to the the twenty fourth uh, Street, the Latino right. Cultural District, uh, is near and dear to my heart because Carnaval every year uh, brings back memories, and then just the 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 small businesses, and just that's where you feel uh, the most uh, valued and appreciated, mm -hmm. and just like you're part of something, and so that community is big. And so the community aspect, uh, we've been, you're the one that brought me into Carnival about five, mm -hmm. six years ago. And since then, we've been rocking because the, the leaders now, they are, they I consider like the dinosaurs. They're the last of a dying breed. And right. so they're going to need to pass the torch to the younger generation. And so as a, as a counselor, as a community member, the way I show up for my people is I become a bridge. Mm -hmm. I bridge people to the resources and support they need. And so that's what we've been doing through this podcast is a bridge, the older generation and the younger generation, and we're in the middle. And right. so and so it's important for us to carry the torch and then be ready to pass it on to the to the youngsters in that. So that's why we've been uh, doing relentless work with uh, servicing the Latino community. I can't be at every event because I also service the Alameda County community, uh, the, the, the San Mateo County and San Jose uh, community 
but when I get a chance through, let's see, the community partnerships that I've been involved with, the city eats, we yeah. feed the homeless and, and, and food insecure community in the city and throughout the Bay Area. Um, let's see, all NSF, the coalition. We've Shout been, out. We've been doing the backpack giveaways. Yeah. And uh, I've, done, I've done photography for both and also helped them uh, distribute and then create and whatever it is that they need. Uh, so I play my position strategically. Also, right. uh, also been kind of San Francisco. Uh, Calle 24, helping whatever capacity that I can. And so right. it's important to acknowledge in all these spaces. I think it's really important. Every space that I've been of, I want to say the Latina woman has been at the grunt of all the foundational work. So I want to give a shout out, big shout out to the Latina women out there because econo- they're the most economically disadvantaged uh, group out there. They get paid 53 cents to the white man's dollar. And mm. so because I have seven sisters and and understand the economic gaps and equity gaps that exist, I just want to say I see you, I acknowledge you, and I support y'all. That's what's up. You know, and that's yeah. a great way to wrap it up, man. We hit the one-hour mark, our first episode, and many to come. Uh, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being part of this journey, for being a real city ambassador, <laughs> and for passing down the torch uh, to these young uh, people of color, disenfranchised communities that want to get a, a better education. So, you know, I want to thank you for that. And uh, with that, without further ado, mi gente, my peeps, Bye. San Francisco Bayer, stand up. Yay. Peace. Yay. <laughs> Ciao. Peace. Peace.